Hi, folks, and welcome to the next episode of Data Revolution podcast. Uh, today, my guest is Felipe Flores, who is the uh, a data science senior executive. He's got a lot of experience. He's worked across data engineering, data warehousing, and BI and related stuff for many years, uh, in particular in AI and machine learning. And he's currently Chief Data and Analytics Officer at a healthcare AI company and is the founder of Data Futurology, which there's a bunch of stuff on LinkedIn if you're looking for it. Welcome, Felipe. Hey, Kate. Thank you so much uh, for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here with you and, yeah, get get to talk all things data. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, I'm I'm really interested in your topic. So why don't you tell people what we're going to talk about today? So I thought, yeah, today we could have a, a discussion around uh, what it's like coming into a, a new executive role. So what do the the first ninety days as a CDO look like? Um, in what we're seeing in Australia is that there's uh, a, a continual growth of maturity in um, in the data analytics space, and more and more companies are having and creating CDAO positions. Some companies are onto you know their third or fourth CDAO. Others are creating that position for the first time. So as a result, we have many people in the industry, many people in our community going into these positions. Um, sometimes for the first time, sometimes for the third time. And uh, I thought it'd be really good to kind of distill some of the the learnings uh, that people have had, um, give some tips and help people kind of have a smooth transition, kick some goals early and ease those nerves. That is a great idea because I've been in this job for many, many years now. So I've almost forgotten what it was like to start off with. Right. It's it's crazy. Like once you're... um, one of my friends described it as kind of like building up fitness that uh, you get to a point that at the beginning, you know, uh, it might be totally finding it really difficult, really overwhelming, having to think really deeply about kind of every step that you take. Um, and then once you do it for some time, you develop that that fitness that it becomes a lot, a lot easier to do. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's good to um, sometimes reflect, look back. Uh, hindsight is always helpful and particularly um, helpful to other people that would be stepping into the role, uh, into these type of roles for the first time. Yeah, well, you know, because I can literally remember when I was appointed in 2014 and data governance was part of my remit and sitting down and Googling data governance and finding all these articles going, yeah, it's a really great idea. You should totally do it. And nothing that said, here's how to do it. Um, yes. So, you know, that that's how I developed my data governance website because I was like, you need to know. That's the thing that I, it's funny how um, as seniority increases, the breadth of the remit <laughs> increases so much. And it's, it's almost um, counterintuitive as you're coming up to go from an area where you feel like you're such an expert in a domain that you totally get understand. And then as you become more senior, you have areas that you may not have worked in before or may not have looked in after earlier. And you're having to kind of learn on the job and be become this, this um, leader really of, of experts in an area that you're not an expert. And that definitely requires new, new skill sets. And I, I think one of them is the, you know, rapid learning and getting into, into the area as you've done, uh, as you did back then with data governance. I think that's a, that's an awesome way to get into it and be able to add value to the teams. Um, and, and, and still, develop and lean on the leadership skills uh, that are required to lead teams where um, 
the the leader doesn't know the full details of of everything that that is going to be done. So so where should people start? What are you recommending? Sorry, say that again. Oh, so so where should people start? Where where should new leader got the job? Yeah, walk great, in the door. What are they going to do I'm first? I'm very quickly going to close this curtain one second. Sorry. So um, it's really interesting because the the um, a lot of things that I that I see of people when they um, say they just get a, a CDO role, um, they um, the good thing is that the people in our space they want to be prepared. Uh, so there's generally a fair amount of research about the company and the industry that is done, and people do that. I think usually very well. Um, I think one of the one of the areas that could have greater focus is particularly the commercial model of the organization. If it's a if it's a for profit organization, um, focusing on what is the the mechanics of the business model for that company, um, having clarity uh, about that as early as possible is going to be extremely helpful. And I've definitely been in situations where I've um, you know gone into into new um, exec roles, and I've kind of pulled out my my playbook that worked for me last time, and then sometimes it doesn't work in the new organization. Um, and and partly part of that is because I didn't take enough time in understanding the the commercial model. Um, so there, there was a, for example, when I moved to healthcare, where I am now, I came from a background of consulting and and um, finance and banking. So. I came into this new role and I, I go, great. I know it's about customers. It's about retention. Um, it's about marketing. Um, and and it's, it's about providing that, that value to customers from an analytics perspective and be able to target them better. Um, and in, in healthcare, it's much more about the, um, the outcomes that we're looking to make people healthier. Uh, mm-hmm. And so targeting comes into play in a different way, um, but the the retention doesn't necessarily play in the same in the same manner as as it would in financial services. So things like that is around like how what is the the commercial model of the organization? What is the the aim that the organization uh, the difference that the organization wants to make? Having clarity on that um, very quickly, I think, is super important. The other one that I see a lot of people. Um, not taking enough time on, and I've definitely made this mistake as well, is um, understanding the the culture of the organization and having the time to really see and feel how things are done there. Um, that I've and I've seen this in in other people, and I've seen it a lot in myself. That sometimes you start a new role and you think, "All right, I'm going to go in, I'm going to kick some goals, I'm going to really make a difference quickly." And uh, often, um, while that has all of the right intents, sometimes we need a little bit more time to understand and absorb how the company operates, how the decisions are made, who are the, the key influencers. Who's who in the zoo? That's the most important thing you need to understand because a lot of the time the, you know, the formal hierarchy is not the influence hierarchy in an organisation. And understanding that it it takes it takes a bit of time, and then through that you get to uncover what are the the key problems uh, that people really see as uh, as the ones that you could make a big difference. That not 
not every problem in the organization is going to have an analytics um, solution and, and, and vice versa. Like you're not going to be able to solve everything under the sun, but being able to understand what are the, what are the problems that, um, that the organization has and sees as very important. And then what is a good overlap between the ones that analytics can provide a solution and then start working. Uh, once you get that sense and you get the who's who in the zoo, start working on, um, I would say, few be very focused and start working on very few initiatives um, that some are going to deliver you um, some some quick wins uh, where you're making a difference early and that's going to give you momentum uh, around your your position your new leadership it'll make the team feel good um, there's there's a lot of benefits in in having quick wins it's always going to be adding value to the organization early on have few of those and then set some time apart to work on the strategy on what uh, data analytics could do for the organization in so a broader do, sense. Do you do you have a view on, you know, people coming in and doing some sort of maturity assessment and to assess like the stack that you're using and the data literacy across the organization? Yeah, I think I think overall it's a it's a great idea, and um, because it it helps regardless of the scenario or the type of environment that you're going into, um, and I think that the 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 scenarios, at least in in my mind, are you could be going into a a startup or a greenfield um, a, a company where there's no analytics uh, capability before, so you're setting it up for the first time. You could be going into a, um, a sustaining innovation, so an t- analytics team that has been adding value to the organization that needs to continue to do that. That's kind of a sustaining innovation um, 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 a type of scenario. There's a, um, a turnaround. Sometimes there's teams that have, have uh, been seen uh, from the organization's perspective have been seen that they are um, not adding as much value as they could and they're looking for kind of like the the refresh um so having kind of like a, a turnaround story sometimes organizations bring a new leader for that and then the other one uh which is which is i think one of the more uh spoken about is doing a, a transformation a digital transformation within the organization that they're looking to do kind of like a a sweep across the board for customer experience through process automation and bring in a lot of data analytics through that so regardless of the, and the different scenarios will have some different perspectives that you need to take into consideration. Um, but across the board, I think um, having a, a maturity assessment and a data literacy assessment, I think, um, is is always, always helpful. Yeah, because for, for, for us, you know, we realized we didn't have a data literacy problem because most of our people have, you know, master's degrees or PhDs at the uni. We've got a we've got a digital literacy problem where people's first choice isn't always digital. They have a real strong preference for printed out pieces of paper. So, you know, understanding the organization, when you come into an organization, you might not understand that about it, that kind of thing about it. Right. And that's that's so interesting. And, and kind of um unexpected, or at least I wouldn't have expected. Yeah, uh, I didn't the- realize it until I was just like, no, they've all got PhDs, they've all done stats. They know they know this stuff, and then it was like, oh my god, they they're not digital native people yet. They'll come through eventually. <laughs> that's it. That's it. No, that's that's really good. Um, I like that. 
And and how do you see the the differences in in the um, how people get to the to the role to the executive role? That some people are promoted up, um, some people are kind of promoted across, and other people are uh, new to the organization. They all have kind of different diff- slightly different approaches to take. I think, um, and maybe I'm biased, but I think that the more challenging one um, is promoted up that you kind of have to leave a lot of your previous responsibilities um, strike a different dynamic with your team Uh, you have obviously a lot of knowledge of the organization and the stakeholders and the way that things are done Uh, you might have a lot of ideas that you have been working on or thinking about while the predecessor was was uh, at the helm and now you have your opportunity to solidify those relationships, step into a, a, a more senior role, and then start to make your mark. Um, and, and but I know that the people promoted across, they feel like they're moving into an area that it might not be their bread and butter. And sometimes mm-hmm. people come from from a you know a marketing background or a customer or digital, and then they move into data analytics uh, leadership, and they yeah they feel like they they a little bit not out of their depth but not in their comfort zone and they a bit they of imposter syndrome sorry a bit of imposter syndrome sometimes yes yes and the imposter syndrome i think ah uh, uh, like we all struggle with it it's something that i think everyone at least at least in this field i think everyone in this field has and um i started thinking about it as uh, um more kind of to work through it more as like the ability to make a contribution um, instead of like, am I being totally perfect in this um, in this role or in this capacity or living up to my own kind of inflated expectations of where I should be? It's kind of like, am I making a contribution here that's that's helping people, making a difference? Well, you know, um, the, you the, thing, the thing I always say when people say they have imposter syndrome is it means you're not stupid because you're conscious you don't know everything which is the definition of not stupid, you know. I love that. <laughs> so if, you, if, you, if you're thinking about it, you know, and you're going, I don't know. If, I can remember a time in my IT career a long time ago where I was like, I can't know everything in this field. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's good. I can't know everything. And yeah. so that was a good moment for me where I let go of this thing of having to be the smartest person in the room and it was okay for me to go, yeah, I don't know about that. Tell me about it. Great, great. And I think taking that weight off allows you to become so much more effective. And um, I know that a lot of people throughout their career, when they look at executives, sometimes they feel like the executive is not afraid to ask the stupid questions. And I think it part it comes it comes with that transition um, that you, that you just mentioned that it's like I can't know everything and mm-hmm. almost like the more stupid questions that that I ask um, the better I'm going to be at, at my role the more effective I'm going to be able to be I'm going to get greater clarity get better alignment um, get to the to the bottom truth of um, of what's really happening so I think it's 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 almost a, a must-have um, in in the steps towards roles like this one. So so when you when you're talking about somebody coming in in their first you know hundred days or so, so we've got that they are you know going to have a look, have a listen, listen to people, understand the organization, understand the money flows, 
understand where they're at, do a maturity assessment kind of thing. What other things do you think that they need to do? Then um, as long as you're able to get some um, momentum in your in your role and your leadership with um, with some of the things you mentioned, um, like knowing who who's who in the zoo, understanding the problems, but also starting to get some some early wins, um, and that will get momentum with um, with your boss, with your peers, uh, or at least some of your peers, and then with the team that they'll start to feel good about the the transition where they're being valued and they're being productive and making a difference to the organization. All that kind of helps cement the 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 short term. Uh, jitters that people might feel that they they want to be seen as as adding value then uh, and and throughout you also have to carve out some time for the longer term perspective where you want to start building out a strategy that can make a difference in the organization and in that case the the strategy uh, the the strategy from a data analytics perspective needs to be completely aligned to the the business strategy um, to understanding where does the organization want to go and uh, for um, for like my my kind of like one line of a strategy is understanding where we are now where do we want to be in a period of time say three years and then what is the path for us to to get there so um, having the understanding of the organization's strengths and weaknesses Currently, um, I'm painting a really uh, or as clear as possible a picture of where we want to uh, our end end state to be, and uh, devising a, a stage plan to get there. Understanding that in order to get there, there will be it'll be iterative, but having kind of the the main areas and having some um, some design around that, I think is 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 great. So working on that. Uh, all that strategy looks like is an area that needs to be have some time carved out. And I've seen that one. Oh, just, just one question. Sorry, Sorry to interrupt. But no. um, the increasingly now, now especially with ChatGPT, everybody wants AI and kind of the digi- the future of digital is data. So how do you, how do you weave, do you recommend that people weave those stories into this strategy piece? Yeah, and it's um that's where the capabilities that we have are to to power the the pillars of the strategy of of the organization. Um, so for example, next week, next Friday, I think, um, we've got a session literally on on generative AI with a health insurance uh, client where. Uh, they've they've requested for uh, they asked for it and they said come and sort of tell us what generative AI can do for us and um, the aim is to is to go these are the the pillars of of the business where you have your your customer um, or you have your your marketing and sales you got your um, service and customer uh, you have your uh, provider or or um, hospitals and doctors and that to liaise with uh, you've got the market and. All these have a number of processes or functions, um, some of them that are more visible than others. How and it's which ones of those does it make sense to start to plug in some of the more recent capabilities uh, like like um, large language models, for example. So bringing in um, customizing, for example, um, one of the one of the typical applications, customer service responses based on previous um, um, human generated text responses is is a kind of like a, an, an easier win 
but then taking it to a step where a, a customer can interact with a large language model to understand their products and their contracts. And in the case of health insurance, like what are they covered for? What are they not covered for? Um, does the cost cover the, the out-of-gap payment? Um, where could they go to? What type of specialists could they see so they don't have an out-of-pocket payment? Um, those those type of more uh, details that um, is information that, Sometimes it's not as easy to get as people and customers would like. That type and it's of information. so handy for summarizing stuff. Such a really useful feature of it. I love it. So good, so good, right? And um, yeah, and I I saw I saw an application recently of um people wanting to get answers and 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 summaries um based on their internal documentation, but. They didn't want to put kind of like all of their internal documentation um, through the API at this stage. Um, so what they did was for all the internal documentation, they created embeddings for those. Uh, so then they have kind of like a summarized vector uh, of that. And then for the, the questions going into the large language model, they also got an embedding. And then they found the embedding that uh, of the documentation that most similarly um, aligned to the question and then put only that documentation through the large language model along with the question to say, here's some background on this question. Now, here's a question and try to answer it uh, based on based on this documentation. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a really nice way um, to, to kind of control the amount of information that might be leaving the organization at this stage, obviously in, in areas that are less sensitive, um, while there's developments into having uh, LLMs that are more um, uh, be able to to be built on um, your within your infrastructure or VPC. Oh, that's, that's the really interesting space. Hey, we're almost out of time. So, what do you want to what do, what would you like to tell people who are about to start a job in the data space as a data leader? What do you, what are the top three things you're going to tell them to make sure that they do? Yeah, I think that um, from a from a mindset perspective, it's that what got you here won't get you there. Um, and and some of the things that that I, at least I had to learn the the hard way was that um, through, throughout my career, I was focusing on um, being kind of better and better at my craft on on data science, data analytics, um, and didn't traditionally place too much importance on other areas like like data governance or um, program management and things like that. And those are all um, structures that you need to create in order to be successful at roles at this level. Um, so you need to definitely expand your horizons and take in kind of like a um, you, you at, at this level, you are, are an organizational architect. And there are multiple areas that need to be um, that need to have a, a structure that interacts with the organization for that's the, a the really team. great way to conceptualize it. I love that. Yeah, so for the for the capability to be the most the most effective um, it can be. And um, so I would say, yeah, what got you here won't get you there. Think think more broadly, be an organization architect, um, make sure that you're getting those um early early wins thinking about the strategy and make sure that the capability is making a difference on the commercial model of the organization or the mission of the organization and that, that can be uh or most of that that can be quantified in um 
yeah, in a way that that it really hits people. And um, and for problems that you need to solve that might be a bit more hidden, find ways to make it real uh, for people. And I've, I've seen um, executives, for example, go to the boardroom with four different versions of the report. And instead of saying all of these reports have different numbers, they turn it around and they have it as a as a, almost like a quiz or a, a game show and say uh, they had the question up front to say, how many new customers did we get this month? Was it option A, B, C, or D? They're all different numbers. And the answer was, they're all correct because they're all in a different report. So it's a, it's kind of like an, an innovative way to highlight the problem and then get some support for uh, fixing them. Yeah, they're really good tips. Thank you so much for your time, Felipe. Folks, that was Felipe Flores. Uh, he is the meister um, of uh, Data Futurology, an amazing uh, podcast. They run webinars and events too. And he's an all-round data guru. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much, Kate. This was so much fun. And that is it for another episode of the Data Revolution podcast. I'm Kate Crothers. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to give the show a nice review and a like on your podcast app of choice. See you next time. Mm -hmm.